This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Dispatch Podcast. I'm Jamie Weinstein. My guest today is David Axelrod. Of course, he is most famous for being the chief campaign strategist to Barack Obama's two winning presidential campaigns. He also served as a senior advisor in the Obama administration. He is now, or or recently was, the founding director of the University of Chicago Institute for Politics, uh, where he now serves as senior fellow. He is also a CNN analyst and host of the excellent podcast, The Axe Files. Uh, We get into all the topics you imagine we would in this episode on the 2024 race. Uh, but also get into a lot of other interesting topics that I think uh, you will find as fascinating as I did. So without further ado, I give you Mr. David Axelrod. David Axelrod, welcome to the Dispatch Podcast. Very good to be with you. I want to start uh, with... The idea after Iowa, you're a strategist for Nikki Haley. What would you advise her uh, as she tries to kind of pull off what many think is an impossible task and upset uh, Donald Trump, who is at this point the overwhelming front runner going into going in, in the race, but maybe not going into New Hampshire? It seems closer there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, some things are not are not solvable, and. Um, one of the problems that she has is that one of the most important cohorts in Republican primaries are Republicans. You know, Donald Trump has a very, very strong lock on them. So she's relying on uh, independents and maybe Democrats who have re- who re-registered last fall uh, to uh, uh, to carry the day for her. And that's that's very, very hard. I mean, she needs to push the independent participation into the primaries up to an almost unimaginable level. But, you know, the one thing that occurred to me was that um, the thing that she said a few weeks ago that got her in trouble in Iowa, that New Hampshire corrects Iowa, would have been a more appropriate thing to start saying the day after the Iowa caucuses. And the, the honest to God message here is New Hampshire has the capacity to uh, keep the race going or to end it. You know, I think New Hampshire voters, now I may be I may be influenced by my own experience there in 2008 when Barack Obama won the Iowa caucuses. We went into New Hampshire and we arrived like a conquering army ready to negotiate the terms of surrender. 
<laughs> and that haughtiness, uh, I think, was was noticed in the Hillary Clinton campaign close to the ground. And she narrowly won because people didn't want to end the race. Uh, the question here is whether people actually do want the race to go on. Uh, but I'd kind of put I'd kind of call the question if I were her. I think it's if she gets whomped in New Hampshire, I honestly question what the point is or the wisdom of is of going on to South Carolina. So this is the ball game, and she ought to tell them that. There's been a lot of criticism of the Republican candidates, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, especially that it's only now they're criticizing Trump. But but if you if you had the money that Jeff Rowe had, uh, and and they gave it to you two years ago, and they said yeah. David Axelrod, divide, uh, you know, come up with a strategy that would stop Donald Trump from being the Republican nominee. What would you have, have advised? Is there a strategy that would have worked? I'm not sure there is, but uh, because I think uh, there were events that intervened that just uh, strengthened Trump uh, and the four indictments were a part of that. But I think that the candidate who DeSantis was at the end of the race was probably uh, a much stronger candidate than the candidate he was for the first eight months of the race or, or seven months of the race. You know, I was I always thought it was a um, unless it's a long term play that extends years and not months. Uh, the idea that he was going to outflank Donald Trump on the right or with social conservatives, uh, I think was a, a, fa a fallacy in the first place. Um, but I, I think that running as a kind of center-right, successful conservative governor had maybe more promise than uh, than doing that. But I mean, I'm look. I mean, there, there. I'm sure there are people smarter than me. But I don't know. We saw Chris Christie go straight at. Trump, I think valiantly, to be honest with you. And uh, his reward was an early exit. You know, Asa Hutchinson was courageous in speaking out about Trump and didn't get a point in Iowa. Um, at some point, you have to say, you know what? This is Donald Trump's party right now. And he was going to be very hard to beat under any circumstance. Now, I will say this. The strength that he displays among Republicans is uh, helpful in dominating these primaries. The weakness that he shows uh, elsewhere is should be concerning to Republicans, uh, and that may that will become more of a factor, perhaps as early as the day after the uh, New Hampshire primary, when people begin to focus uh, on what the final choice is. If you were Joe Biden or his campaign manager right now, who would you prefer to run a general election against, Donald Trump or Nikki Haley? First of all, that's a that's a that's a, a a kind of academic question because it's like yeah, I think that 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 issue is pretty much settled and will be finally settled uh, very shortly. But you know, I think that as you listen to what he said, what his people have said, and so on. I think that they anticipated a race with Trump and they believe they can beat Donald Trump. You know, maybe they could have beaten Haley as well. She's not 17 points ahead. Of, she touted one poll for a long time, I mean, she, but she was a few points ahead of Biden. But what she also has shown, skilled and talented as she is, is that she's got um, some some flaws in her presentation that would have been at least a target you know, she's a bit of a shift, a shapeshifter, and that that has hurt her in these primaries. But 
I'm I'm certain that they would prefer to run against Trump, and they're going to get that chance. When you uh, mentioned in November to some you know controversy on on your own side that uh, President Biden should think long and hard uh, about running again, there were some poll numbers at the time that you were responding to. What Democratic candidates do you think would have been stronger or potentially stronger uh, in a general election? You know, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, there are some very talented people out there. A number of the governors clearly would have been interested in running. Uh, there are people in the Senate who would have been interested in running, people in the cabinet. But the the reality is that you you don't know until you see people in a presidential race. I don't think people appreciate just how much of a a gauntlet that is and how much of a test that is. And that's how you find out. Listen, Ron DeSantis was like on a glide path, it seemed, the day after he won re-election in 2022. And he was exposed by the campaign. As I said, I think he probably grew by the end, but uh, he was not a good candidate for a very long time. It, It hurt him. And so Democrats needed a campaign. You know, I kind of knew when I said what I said in November, I mean, I meant it earnestly. I thought he should think about it. I was pretty sure when he did, he would continue to run. And at that point, you know, the question is, how would Democrats find out who the strongest candidate is without a campaign? So it kind of left the party in a in a lurch, even if, you know, sometime later he decided to drop. So I don't know. The answer is I don't know. I mean, I, I, Governor Whitmer is very impressive. I know my own governor uh, has a, a following. Uh, governor Pritzker, impressive. Uh, governor Shapiro is impressive, though new, but impressive. Uh, you know, obviously Governor Newsom was keyed up to run. So a lot of the governors would have run, and I think some of the candidates we saw before, and perhaps some people in the uh, Senate who haven't run before would have looked at it. Uh, and there's some talents there. And of course the vice president would have run. So it would have been interesting, but it's, it's a hypothetical. It's an act. It's not even a hypothetical. It's an academic question. It's done. Would it have been possible if he, if he got out for the, for the democratic party to, to skip over the vice president and, and not nominate the first African American vice president in U S history? Look, I think that, that that would have been, you know, a point that she would have made. Um, but I think that there'd be there would have been a competitive primary. I think people would have paid her deference, but uh, but not uh, skipped the primary. I mean, they would have they would have acknowledged that, but called for an open primary, and there would have been an open primary. Yeah. So the answer to your question is yes. I don't think it would have been a fait accompli that the vice president would then be the candidate. We had a uh, Mudcat Sanders on yeah. last last week, and uh, that must have been fun. Always, always fun talking to to Mudcat, and uh, he he knows well Chris Lasavita, uh, yes. the the advisor to the the Trump campaign. And his view is that he thinks that Chris is going to run a campaign against Kamala Harris as opposed yeah. to yeah. Uh, Joe Biden. Do you think that is an effective strategy? Well, look, I mean, I, I expect that the Republicans will do that because. Uh, you know, the fundamental, they're not, I mean, the fundamental argument against the president is, is about age. Um, I mean, that's really what they're working. You know, that raises the question about what if something happens to him and leads you to the vice president and her numbers are 
certainly no better than his numbers right now. And uh, I think they think that she would be a uh, a target, uh, you know, a a a, a ripe target. Uh, I you know I think for that reason, um, attention has to be paid to how she's used in the campaign, and she needs to be put in a position to um, kind of lift her standing. Uh, I think that project should have begun probably on January twentieth of twenty. 20, because it was clear that if the president ran, this would be a question. And if he didn't run, that uh, she she would be a, a prime candidate. So I expect that. I think Mudcat's right that that will be part of the campaign for sure. And I'm not sure, you know, La is very good as he's proven in Iowa. I mean, they ran a, a really smart campaign. They're running a smart campaign now. But you don't have to be a political genius to arrive at that conclusion. Hey, speaking of the, the vulnerability that you see in, in, in President Biden and, and the campaign they're going to run, you're much closer to that world than I am, even if maybe President Biden has at times uh, been upset with you uh, recently. Do you believe he is as mentally fit as he was when he was vice president uh, serving under uh, Barack Obama? Yeah, I listen, I think that his problems are performative in front of a camera. You know, I think he's been a very a more than competent president, and he has some major accomplishments to his uh, credit. But the problem he has is just in front of a camera. He he looks old, and that's what people see. They don't see him in meetings. They don't see him in the decision-making pro- process. But, you know, that's the reality of politics. So, but do I, do I think that he is mentally fit? Yes, I do. Do I think he's competent? Yes, I do. And, you know, Honestly, you could swing the question around and ask uh, about Trump as well in, in, in different ways. Perhaps Trump is, appears more energetic. And I listen to some of the things he says, and it's like, wow, this is otherworldly. So, you know, that raises those questions. Let me ask you a question about the activist base on, on the, in the Democratic Party. Obviously, there's a problem with the Republican Party about to nominate Donald, Donald Trump. Um, my question is, are you concerned at all, uh, A, just on on uh, the fact of what the activist base is pushing for, and B, if you were a strategist for Joe Biden, if there is parts of the base calling him Genocide Joe um, uh, for his re-election campaign? Uh, I just love your thoughts on that. Listen, there, the nature of the presidency is that you have to make decisions. You don't, you can't opt out of making decisions when situations arise and whenever you make decisions uh there is going to be you make someone unhappy clearly he he has done that and um there are elements of the base that are uh disillusioned i think for that reason the 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 fact that the republican primary is likely to end so early is advantageous because now it's a choice and people need to focus on that choice and those who are unhappy with the president's policies need to ask themselves, what what do they think the policies would have been had Donald Trump uh, been in place? That's the choice. Now he's going to have to find a way to motivate people. They, they may come to a reluctant conclusion that, yeah, that's right, but I don't necessarily need to vote. I mean, and this is particularly a concern with younger voters. And he's, you know, one of the tasks is going to be to have to, um, is going to be to motivate them. But the choice is going to be pretty clear. I do think, you know, 
and I've said this before, issues are obviously important in elections, but narratives are what win elections. And the Biden campaign needs to settle on its narrative and hammer away at it for the next 10 months. That narrative, in my mind, goes very much to exactly what kind of country do you want? Because these guys are starkly different uh, in their vision of the country uh, and in where they would take it. And um, uh, and it's not just about democracy, although uh, that's a, an extraordinarily important element of it, but it also goes to quality of life, the state of the economy, and whether people can work hard and get ahead in it, the prospects for young people. I mean, it goes to a lot of different things, the, the, the uh, you know, the, the sustaining and strengthening of rights. I mean, there are a lot of elements here. And when you put them all together, they ought to be motivational, uh, even if you have problems with elements of the decisions that the president has made. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we'll take a quick break to hear from Aura. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. And I'll tell you, not only have I given this picture frame to all the moms in my life, but I'm an only child and it's been really fun to see my friends with siblings give this frame to their moms and it turn into a passive aggressive war to see which siblings can upload more pictures of their children. The Aura app is so easy. You can sit there at the end of the day while you're watching TV and just upload a couple pictures from the day and really show your brother-in-law who's boss. From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, and even the friends in your life, every mom loves an Aura frame. Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code DISPATCH at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let me ask you this, uh, David. Donald Trump, obviously, you consider a threat to democracy. So, so do I. I wonder if, uh, in retrospect, if you knew that a re-election of Obama would, would be followed by Trump, uh, would it have been better for the country if Romney won in 2012, which would have mitigated the risk of Donald Trump being elected in 2016? No, I, I, I would never say that. I think, you know, and Jamie, uh, you won't be surprised to hear me say, I think Barack Obama 
was a great president, and I think uh, a majority of Americans look back on his presidency favorably. You know, the idea that you'd forego four years because Donald Trump might get elected four years later uh, is uh, d- doesn't make sense to me at all. I mean, if I have regrets, it's probably about uh, the 2016 uh, tw- uh, campaign and how that unfolded and the lack of seriousness that people with which people took Trump. I think that's the thing that that concerns me or or that that bothers me the most in looking back. But uh, I wouldn't sacrifice those four years. I just would have run a smarter campaign in 2016. But but, you know, it, it is somewhat of a silly question, but I do think there's a larger meeting. Does that does that mean that you are maybe not as concerned, even if you are concerned of the of, of the threat that Trump poses to the democratic system, that you believe he's a survivable event uh, for the for the democratic system, for the American system? Well, I, I mean, I want to separate out the questions. I, I don't know. I mean, I have grave concerns that I've been very uh, open about as well, about uh, what Trump's election will mean. Just the fact that he may, by the time uh, you, we reach the Republican convention, have been convicted of, a f- of you know, felony counts, and not just on any subject, but uh, for conspiring to overturn a free and fair election. And the Republican Party would then be hoisting a candidate who uh, who was convicted of those things. Uh, and what would it say if uh, we as a country embraced that? It, you know, so that's, that's, that, I have deep, deep concerns, and I take him seriously when he when he talks about his campaign of vengeance that he would that he would uh, pursue. And you, you know, that he's not coming with General Mattis this time. He's coming with you know General Flynn. He's not coming with Barr. He's going to come with some pliable Attorney General. They may not be appointed, but he'll still have the ability to put acting people in these roles and. You know, it's it's my it's it's very concerning the destruction of civil service, very very concerning, um, and one hopes that our institutions are strong enough to survive that. And we we shouldn't underestimate those. I mean, Donald Trump. We saw in two thousand and twenty when he uh, concocted a story about the election being stolen. We saw, you know. Uh, people across the country do their jobs, election officials, uh, elected officials, Republicans and Democrats. We saw judges, including some he that appointed, doing their jobs and throwing out what were frivolous complaints. We do have strong institutions, but they certainly would be pressure tested by a, pre- uh, by a return of Donald Trump. I-, I know you have a hard out, so just two quick questions here, yeah. just a, a corollary uh, to the to the last one, and then a, then a closing question. You mentioned that you, what you would have hoped to be done differently is run a different ca- a campaign to stop Trump in 2016. Is there anything that you believe that the Obama administration, the second term, could have done differently or uh, uh, may have done better that would have not allowed Donald Trump to rise? Or was that something that you think totally unrelated to anything the president? Every, look, every, uh, Jamie, and I mean, when I was uh, advising Senator Obama about whether he should run or not, I I wrote a strategic memo and I said that every election, particularly presidential election, particularly when a president is leaving, uh, is 
uh, influenced by who that president was. And never, ever do people choose the replica of what they have. They choose the remedy to whatever they think the deficiencies of that president were. Barack Obama was elected in part because people thought that uh, George W. Bush saw the world in these black and white terms and had no, uh, did not see the gray, did not see the complexities. And, you know, I, I mean, that was a, a fundamental flaw. And uh, Obama was seen, and, and they saw him as a sort of a, a practitioner of Washington politics in a way that they didn't like. Then Obama was seen as a departure of that. Eight years later, I think people were tired of nuance. They were tired of complexity. Uh, they responded to uh, Trump's kind of proclamations about what he would do by fiat. And, uh, and you know, so, of course, you know, there are, there's a, a relationship uh, between uh, the two. But again, you know, I think that the, the election was winnable in 2016. And, you know, and I don't blame just the, the, you know, I'm not blaming Hillary Clinton. I'm not blaming her campaign. Uh, but I think we generally, as a country, couldn't get our arms around the fact that Donald Trump could be president. Uh, I think a lot of people who didn't vote might have voted. I think uh, people would have looked at the third party options differently. Uh, but you know, that's looking backward, and I'm trying to look forward here. Taking, uh, fi and finally, taking uh, President Obama out of the equation, who who's the most naturally gifted politician that you've ever, ever interacted with? Well, certainly you have to put Bill Clinton in that category. I mean, he was a natural. Uh, I mean, I think the two of them didn't get elected president by accident. They both had superior political skills. But look, I've, I've worked with people on all levels. I mean, I've seen uh, one of the first candidates I ever worked with was uh, Harold Washington, the first black mayor of Chicago. One of the most extraordinary politicians that I've ever seen and one of the best performers. And, you know, uh, Deval Patrick uh, in Massachusetts, I, I feel in many ways the same about him. So I've seen uh, a lot of great politicians in my time. Uh, but you have to put Clinton and Obama uh, at the top of the list. David Axrod, thank you for your time and, and thank you for joining the Dispatch All podcast. right, Jamie, great to be with you. Thank you. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.